Before we start the program, I want to introduce you to an event that's coming up this August. The Loma Linda Institute of Worship is offering a worship leadership certificate to help leaders and pastors take their congregation's worship experience to the next level. This August 9-12 through 12 event will include presenters Randy Roberts, Adriana Pereira, Nicholas Zork, Wayne Buckner, Richard Hickam, and more, and provide the opportunity to perform on stage with Steve Green and the Heritage Singers. Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. Welcome to the Loma Linda University Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by the message. It's a brutal story. It's brutal because of what happens at the collision point between ferocity and gentleness. It was particularly brutal because I was there to see it. But first, some background. We had a dog named Maya. Maya was part poodle, part Labrador, part French water dog. Maya was a very shy, somewhat standoffish, uncertain dog, very gentle dog. It's not that she didn't enjoy playing with the other dogs. She enjoyed that, but she was typically one who would hold back just a little bit, a bit uncertain about getting too involved. In fact, I want to show you a very brief clip of Maya out in the park with our son-in-law, Matthew Cosart, where Maya is playing with a couple of other dogs, and you'll see how she is there and involved, but a little bit reticent. So look at the screen. You'll see her. She's the big black dog that's kind of running behind. The other two who are very aggressive and very involved. And as usual, Maya is a bit behind and a little bit uncertain. A very gentle dog. One year and two Friday nights ago, I was out walking Maya late afternoon. It was getting near sunset. It was the path and the trail that we have walked not hundreds, but probably several thousand times over her 12, 13 years. We were on the home stretch. Maya was just a bit behind me as I was walking along. I'm not sure what it was. Some sound caused me to turn around. And when I turned around, maybe 10, 12 yards away, was a pit bull in full attack mode, coming like a torpedo, not making a sound, at Maya. I reacted instinctively and tried to jerk her around behind me, but it was too late. The pit bull latched on. I kicked and kicked until I could kick no more, and it made no difference. I blanked out at one point. I remember seeing Maya look at me as though she wanted to jump and be rescued. And then it just goes blank for just a brief time. The next thing I remember is I was on top of the pit bull with my hands around its throat trying my best 
to strangle it. I had my weight on top of it and dared not let it go. I was there in that position for something over 20 minutes. People drove by, walked by. Finally, some merciful folks stopped. Two men helped me. By the time that part of it ended, there were three police cars, several officers, some onlookers, and my wife. At that point, I got up, and ferocity walked away while gentleness lay dying in the street. I've thought a lot about that. Better stated, that has haunted me. And there are a lot of things I could say, but I'll say only one. And it is this. When ferocity and gentleness collide, gentleness always loses. So who wants to be gentle? Look at the culture, the world around us. In preparing for today, I surf the web, my own files, books in my office, looking for examples where gentleness is lauded and celebrated in our culture. It was a tough and largely dry journey. But then looking for places where our culture is ferocious and aggressive and angry and violent, I had no problem finding examples, some of which celebrate that. So the question becomes, who wants to be gentle? Gentle will get you killed. There are evidences of such realities almost wherever we look. Let's, let's just start by noting the dialogue, if that's what you want to call it, in the public square. The words are the words of Ronald Kernahan. I want you to listen what he writes, theologian and pastor, what he writes about the dialogue in the public square. He says, at the beginning of the 21st century, reason discourse is imperiled. Reason discourse is increasingly giving way to in-your-face sound bites. Hardball is the dominant metaphor for American public life. Our interchanges are confrontational, divisive, and dismissive. Truth is not something we expect to have emerged from a conversation. It's something we hope to impose. Balance and fairness are casualties on evening shows as two, three, and sometimes four voices contend simultaneously for dominance. Volume and intransigence are the new civic virtues. We're tempted to say, well, yeah, I get that. We've had several years of extremely contentious political debate in our country. We've had two years of very divisive pandemic. No wonder we're at this place. And then we look at the bottom and realize that Kernahan wrote those words in 2003, almost 20 years ago. Who wants to be gentle? Everybody's yelling. Gentleness will get you killed. Or look at what happens to us when we sit down behind the seat of a car. AAA did a study, sponsored a study, looking at the behavior of drivers in this, our country. By the end of the study, there was cause for serious concern. 
they determined that 80% of the drivers in this country that they spoke with responded by saying, in the last year, there has been at least one instance where I was filled with extreme rage and was ready to do something about it. In fact, a disturbingly high number of people said they had acted in some way, including even banging into the other car or getting out for a physical confrontation. Who wants to be gentle? I was driving up the 91 freeway. Actually, my friend was driving the 91 freeway. As we turned on to the 10, headed east, merging on, he was driving. Suddenly, two cars came screaming down the 10 freeway headed east. At first, we thought they were racing. Then we realized that the car on the left was trying to get in front of the car on the right, and the car on the right wouldn't let him. We assumed maybe the car on the right had cut the other car off. Now he was trying to return the favor. So the car on the right came up right behind a much more slowly moving car and slowed way down with almost no space between them. Now you can't get in. So the car on the left rammed him. And they went down the tent just a mile or two from here, ramming each other, chrome and mirror and glass flying every direction. And then they headed to the shoulder, and I said to him, cut off here, take this exit. I don't want to be a standby in this situation. Because this is not headed in the direction of gentleness. Who wants to be gentle? It can be dangerous. It affects probably most areas of our lives, including sports that are supposed to be fun. Man from Marion, Michigan, Keith Maines, writes about being at his daughter's soccer game. There they were watching the game, and he said there was a kind of a star player on the other team. It was so good, she was weaving her way in and out of the players, scoring goals. In fact, he said, she was the reason we ultimately lost. But during that game, he said, from the other sideline, I could hear the coach just screaming and yelling, bellowing out instructions, especially to that player. When the game was over and Maines was with his daughter, he said, my daughter said to me, Daddy, that girl was crying almost the whole game because that coach was her father. Who wants to be gentle? We got to win this game. You got to play like you're supposed to play. It's not a new reality. I want to read to you some words drawn from the School of Life, a YouTube channel that talks a lot about different issues in life. This one kind of summarizing some of the political philosophy of one Niccolo Machiavelli, Renaissance man, philosopher, political thinker, whose views continue to influence political science in some ways to this day. Listen to the words. Machiavelli believed that to be effective, political leaders needed to be ruthless and tyrannical, not empathetic and just. His book, The Prince, is a short manual of advice for princes on how not to finish last. And the answer was never to be overly devoted to acting nicely and to know how to borrow every single trick employed by the most dastardly, unscrupulous, and nastiest people who have ever lived. 
Machiavelli knew where our counterproductive obsession with acting nicely originated from. The West was brought up on the Christian story of Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus was the very nice man from Galilee who always treated people well. But Machiavelli pointed out an inconvenient detail to this sentimental tale of the triumph of goodness through meekness. From a practical perspective, Jesus' life was an outright disaster. This gentle soul was trampled upon and humiliated, disregarded, and mocked, judged in his lifetime. And outside of any divine assistance, he was one of history's greatest losers. Who wants to be gentle? Gentle will get you killed. But it's right about there that we realize we have a problem. Because for many, if not most or all of us today, and for countless others beyond us, The greatest loser in history tapped us on the shoulder and said to us, follow me. And as we begin to put our footsteps in his footprints, we begin to realize that one of the destinations toward which he is leading us is gentleness. And that's a struggle because who wants to be gentle? At the intersection between ferocity and gentleness, gentleness always loses. And then we think about this series, this series in which we've been engaged for these many weeks called Fruitful, Growing Disciples, Bountiful Fruit. From the pen of Paul in Galatians 5, we go back there today to consider the penultimate, the next to last virtue in the list of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse 22, says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. That last brief sentence we'll consider next week, but today our focus is on that word gentleness. In a culture like ours, in a time like ours, Who wants to be gentle? Now, one of the first questions we ought to ask, understandably, is, well, what exactly was the meaning of the original word, the word in the original Greek? Well, a scholar by the name of William Mounts is helpful to us with that. Here's what Mounts has to say about the meaning. Gentleness, he says, and he's referring to the word in the original. Gentleness means to approach others, including one's enemies, in a humble and caring spirit, not using force to get one's way. Gentleness. 
Paul actually uses the terms, term twice in Galatians. This is one of the places. The other place was in our scripture reading this morning, read to us so well by Aiden. It's in that first verse of the next chapter where Paul says, if one of you falls, let the others come around and restore that one gently. He draws in that sentence on medical imagery, the resetting of bones. He says, when it comes to that moment in time to intervene in somebody else's failure, do it gently. Gentleness. Do you want to be gentle? It's not a popular virtue in our day and time. And I suppose after asking exactly what it means, our next question ought to be, well, why exactly ought we to be gentle? And the the answer, maybe the best answer, is simply because that's who Jesus was. In fact, one of my favorite passages in the Gospels, just three verses long, is found in Matthew chapter 11. There's one entire chapter in the book Desire of Ages devoted to this, and the name of the chapter is The Invitation. Do you remember those words Jesus speaks? Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. There's our word again. Same word group group in the Greek. I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some versions say, for I am meek. And as soon as we hear that word meek, we hear meekness is weakness and say, I'm not interested. Because that will get you killed. At that intersection between ferocity and gentleness, gentleness always loses. Maybe what we ought to say, however, is let's just keep following in the footsteps. The footsteps of the man of Galilee and see where he leads us. Because if you follow in those footsteps, he will lead you onto the temple grounds. And while you're there in the temple courts, you will watch him stand tall and regal, whip in hand, eyes blazing as he gazes the scene of the money changers, the money grubbers, draining the pockets of the poor to line their own pockets. And you will hear his voice echo through the temple courts, across the temple grounds. Take these things out. And you will see on the faces of those being driven from the temple sheer terror as they run from those flashing eyes and that resonant voice, Jesus, gentle, hand of velvet, spine of steel, gentle. Or listen to his words in Matthew 23. How long ago since you last read Matthew 23, where he excoriates the religious leaders of his day, not in one verse or two or five or ten, throughout the chapter, calling them hypocrites, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. 
And one at a time, he details the way in which they are misrepresenting God, damaging the religion of the day, and oppressing those who most deeply need God. He eviscerates them. And yet as I read those words in my ear, I can hear those words from Desire of Ages that, says, that say he uttered scathing rebukes, but there were tears in his voice. Jesus, gentle. Wow. If that's the case, then we can't say meekness is weakness. Because this Jesus, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, had within him such a clear north star that he threatened the entire dominant religious system of his day he intimidated the worldwide superpower, the empire, to the degree that they clasped hands and said, he's got to go, and they killed him. He was that much of a threat. Gentle. You know what that means? It means that maybe we ought to ask a question about our assumption that at the collision point of violence and gentleness, gentleness always loses. Does it? Does it always lose? I think, for example, of the words written by David Robson in the BBC Future. Listen to what Robson says. Nonviolent protests, nonviolent protests are twice as likely to succeed as armed conflicts. Those nonviolent protests engaging a threshold of 3.5% of the population have never failed to bring about change. The singing revolution in Estonia, the Rose Revolution in Georgia, along with others, are given as examples of successful protests that resulted in serious change. Not only are peaceful protests more ethical than violent ones, but they are also more likely to gain the popular support needed. Does the name Martin Luther King Jr. ring any bells? No violence. But we will change world, which they proceeded to do. Gentleness always loses. Maybe we better ask questions about that, even on a personal level. I've shared this with a few of you, but it made me think of the time 
Some years ago now, because the four of us were traveling together, when our family was traveling, we were at the airline ticket counter, and the agent behind the counter said, we're going to upgrade you to first class. And I said, giddy up. (laughs) So he said, here, here are your two first class passes. Two, there are four of us. I know. Here are two. Like, what are you, some kind of agent of Satan? What are you trying to tear our family apart? I mean, how are we going to resolve this? What are you talking about? I mean, it was pretty clear to me that I probably ought to be one of the ones up in first class, but, but then who, who's the other one? <laughs> and so, so we talked, Anita and I talked, and well, we can't, we, we can't leave both the kids back in, 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 in coach because Miranda's still a babe in arms. That, that won't work. Uh, and, they, and she can't go up in the first class because she's still at the stage where her ears hurt and she screams. That won't go in first class. And I'm like, you know, Baby, I mean, I, I do a lot for this family, and, you know, and, and so when I took Miranda and we went back to coach, <laughs> we went all the way almost to the back of the plane, and we got into that row and tried to get settled. You know, we were there before a lot of the others boarded because we boarded with the people who turned left, but we turned right. And so I'm getting Miranda settled back there, and as we're doing so, here she comes, woman coming down the aisle. Very professional, in control, briefcase in hand, put together professionally. She was in charge of life. She walked in, went into the row ahead of me, looked over and saw Miranda and said, Oh my, and you fill in the blank. I hope that kid doesn't start crying. And I thought, Oh no. Because I knew what was coming when her ears would hurt. Everybody got settled, the plane took off. And as it began to climb, she began to cry. And then she began to scream. And then that lady was looking daggers at me and at us. Control that kid. Angry. Other people were beginning to look. What are you doing to that child? Once we reached cruising altitude, she was still crying. I I picked her up and I tried to walk, you know, walk up and down the aisle, share the joy, that kind of thing. Maybe this will help her. I went into the bathroom, shut the door. Have you ever been shut up in a small bathroom with a screaming child? You don't stay long. So I went out of the back. By then, everybody's looking. Everybody's angry. I didn't know what to do. And that woman just kept glaring. And then another woman stood up. And walked over to me, put her hand on my shoulder, and said, it will be just fine. We're all okay. Ignore her. (laughs) I said, could you hold me? No, I didn't say that. (laughs) But I remember that act of gentleness. In fact, it's probably what made me notice the story told by Gordon MacDonald. Gordon MacDonald, the the well-known writer and speaker, tells the story of going to Boston's Logan Airport to fly out west, 
get ready for his flight, went up to the ticket counter, turned in his ticket, turned in his luggage, do all of that. And, and, and the lady, the agent behind the ticket counter said to him, uh, Mr. McDonald, you're at the wrong airport. He said, what? He looked at his ticket, and then he remembered he had bought his ticket for another airport in that area, no doubt because it was cheaper. He said, oh, my goodness, i got to get on this flight. She said, well, well, we can do that. That's not a problem. She typed some things. said, sure, we'll get you on this flight. It'll only be $360. He said, what? $360? And he said, right then, all this bile began to build up within him. I'm flying your airline all the time, and, and you're going to charge me for this, and, and, and friendly skies, that's a real nice moniker. And on, He's saying, if I can hurt her, then maybe she'll be hurt enough that she'll tell others and it'll reach the CEO of the company. I'll hurt them all. He said, I was just angry about it. And then I thought of something. I had had this conversation with a friend of mine who was caught up in a nasty church conflict. And just a few days before, he had said to me, Gordon, so-and-so talked to me about what's going on, and here's what he said. Somebody has to have a little dignity in this matter. And when I read the story, I thought, dignity equals gentleness in this story. So I want you to know, in McDonald's own words, what happened. I said to the boarding pass lady, before I pay the $360, let me say one more thing. Six weeks ago, I came here to take a flight to the West Coast and discovered that the airline had canceled the flight and hadn't told me. They said they were sorry, and I forgave them. Then two weeks later, on a flight to Europe, the airline lost my luggage for two days. They said they were really, really sorry. And again, I forgave them. Last week, on a third flight, they got me to my destination two hours late. Your people fell all over themselves saying how sorry they were about the delays. And you know what? I forgave them again. Now here I am, fourth time in six weeks, wanting to fly with you again. Do you see how forgiving I am? <laughs> But this morning, the problem's mine. I forgot that I'd scheduled myself out of the other airport, and I am really, really sorry that I made that terrible mistake. You guys have said sorry to me three times in the last six weeks, and I have forgiven you each time. Now, I would like to say sorry to you and ask you to forgive me and put me on that flight without charging me the $360. You've said sorry three times, and now I'm asking for one. Does that make any sense to you? The boarding pass lady took a time out of her own, considered my idea, and then said, it really does make sense to me. Let me see what I can do. She typed and typed and typed into her computer. I think she was writing a novella. And then she looked up with a smile. We can do this. And two minutes later, I was off to the gate with my boarding pass. That morning, dignity won. The airline forgave me. The skies were indeed friendly. And I didn't have to pay the additional $360. And then McDonald finishes that story with these words. 
This increasingly crowded, noisy world is generating more and more of these kinds of moments where no one is really doing something bad, just stupid, me in this case, but because our human dignity is eroded by the constant clashes, even our innocent mistakes point to the possibility for hateful exchanges and vengeful acts. You have to keep alert lest you get sucked into saying and doing things you'll regret an hour later. And I have been there more times than I care to admit. Times when I'm saying, who wants to be gentle? And then I encounter these kinds of moments. And I end up asking, does gentleness always lose? particularly in those most important of relationships. Our husbands and wives, our parents and children, our siblings, our families. What about there? Does gentleness really lose there? Some years ago, I attended the American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy annual conference in Washington, D.C., and set in on a plenary session delivered by one of the leading researchers and therapists in the field. He was outlining the research that was being done, the couples and the families they were studying and counseling. It was very fascinating, and I noticed that this large room of hundreds, maybe a thousand or more therapists, were listening with rapt attention. When he finished unpacking it all, This man, whom I have no indication was a man of faith, stopped and in kind of a pensive moment, he just said this, you know, after all this research we've done, all these families, these couples we've studied and counseled, after everything we've learned, I think one of the most important things I've learned he said, was that most of the problems we have in our families come from how we talk to each other. What if you went to that therapist, you and your child, you and your spouse, you and your parent, And you sit down in his office, in that therapist's office, and you look at what's on the walls, the diplomas, the magazine covers with his publications, the honors, the societies. You see all of that, and you say, ah, we're at a good place. This guy knows a lot. He's going to really help us. And finally, you begin the session. You ask questions, and you unpack it. And then as you get late in the session, he turns, and he looks at you, and he says, okay, here's what I want to say to you. You all need to learn to be nice, to be kind, to be gentle. And you say, what? I could have gotten that from the Bible. I came here because you have all this stuff on your walls, everything you know, everything you've learned. And he says to you, listen, I don't know about your Bible. That's not my thing. But I'm telling you, I'm giving you something from all of this I've learned. And what I'm telling you is that over and over again, gentleness wins. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness. Gracious Jesus, please form me into and make me a more gentle person. Find more podcasts, videos, church events, and how you can support the Loma Linda University Church at lluc.org.